Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Captain Marvel movie is right around the corner. So, of course, I'm going to try and take advantage of the hype. Hi there, I am Clinton Robison, and this is the Coffee and Comics Podcast. So, as I said, I am totally riding the hype train with this episode. Sorta. The book I'm talking about today features no less than two Captains Marvel, but neither one is Marvel of the Cree, nor Brie Larson, um, Carol Danvers. Nope. These are... Well, it's probably obvious, but I'll get to it in a minute. Uh, The book today is Avengers Unplugged number 5. For those unaware, Avengers Unplugged was one of Marvel's cheap books in the 90s, much like Over the Edge. Coming in at 99 cents when most books were $1.50 or higher, this was a way to bring in new readers with done-in-one stories for a low price in hopes they would migrate to the main book. However, this series lasted a whopping six issues before it disappeared. So I guess it was time to plug the Avengers back in. This issue story is called Legacies. Writer Glenn Hurdling. Pencils M.C. Wyman. Inks Sandu Floria and Tom Palmer. Colors Frank Lopez. Letters, Jeff Powell. Editor, Mark Gruenwald. Our story opens with The Collector, not played by Benicio del Toro, though, doing a little sewing. Normally, this would be somewhat adorable, but we find that he's actually stitching up the back of Monica Rambeau's head. Turns out that he has put a control disc in Monica's head that forces her to do his will while she is still aware of her actions. As a test, the controller first puts out his cigar on her hand and then commands her to kiss him in what is possibly the most slobbery make-out scene. Hot I'm gonna smooch her like a mule eating an apple! Oh, also, but that's a rapey scene. Especially when he asks, ugh. Especially when he asks her which action hurt more, the cigar or the kiss. By the way, we're only two pages into this. Afterward, the Collector commands Monica to bring him back the broken body of Captain Marvel. But wait, isn't Monica currently Captain Marvel? Well, actually, yes. But so is the original Captain Marvel's son, Genus Vell. Speaking of Genus, he's on Titan, mostly pondering stuff about his parents. His mother, who is an Eternal has apparently been looking gray lately, mostly because she wants to. Anyway, his uncle Eros, a.k.a. Star Fox, 
decides to take him along for dinner and drinks. At the cocaine lounge, I, I'm not kidding, it, well, it, I guess it's probably cocaine, it's spelled C-O-C-K-A-I-G-N-E, but I'm sorry folks, this is a cocaine lounge. Anyway, at the cocaine lounge, it looks like Strong Guy's alien lookalike is having fun dancing. However, while Star Fox is enjoying himself with two lovely ladies, Genus is mostly getting drunk and bored. When Star Fox sneaks off to take a pee, an incredibly well-dressed Monica zaps him into unconsciousness. Monica then manages to approach Genus and seduce him away from the other two ladies at the table. Making their way back to Genus's apartment, or whatever you want to call it, Monica strips down to her lingerie, because 90s Marvel, and blasts an obviously distracted genus. His clothes are ripped away, with the exception of his... spandex? Anyway, he blacks out and Monica flies off with him. Somehow both of them are in their standard costumes now. Why? Anyway... Genus wakes up enough to use his negabands to break loose and both tumble down to Earth. Fighty fighting ensues! Elsewhere, Vision and Deathcry are on monitor duty and decide to investigate the disturbance the other two are causing. Genus manages to knock Monica unconscious. Lots of that happening lately. Just as the two Avengers arrive, so even more fighty fighting happens. Monica comes to and tries to sway Vision and Deathcry even more to her side of things, but Star Fox shows up to try and explain how things truly are. The control disc persuades Monica to attack Star Fox, but she has just enough control to use X-rays to expose where the control disc is. Vision phases in and plucks it out quite easily. The assembled heroes all fly off to deal with the controller, taking care of things in roughly a half-dozen panels, mostly because we've run out of pages. As things wrap up, Janus tries to tell Monica she is the one more deserving of being called Captain Marvel, and he's probably right. But Monica says that it is his legacy, a nod to the name that he's been using and the title of this issue, and reasons that calling herself Photon will be more appropriate to her abilities. And with that, we will take a quick promo break. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. You need to take out the trash. I don't have time for that now. We have two podcasts I have to create a new promo for. What? Both JLU cast and Supermates? Yes. JLU cast where you and I discussed the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series from Bruce Timm and company. And Supermates, our original show where we talk about all sorts of geeky stuff, including our annual House of Frankenstein series on classic horror films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. But how do we combine this into one promo? I have no idea, but it sounds like we're doing our original Supermates promo all over again. I kind of think we are, but hey, other folks kind of aped it, so it must have worked. Well, why don't you get to work taking out the trash and I'll finish up. Great. So join us, Cindy. And Chris. On JLU Cast and Supermates, both proudly part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, found at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. Two inkers, huh? You just know how much fans are going to love that, he said sarcastically. 
cover features Janice Vell standing over an unconscious Monica Rambeau with Vision and Deathcry in the background. It's really serviceable, and Monica is well done. However, Janice has the major muscle bulk that is typical of the 90s, and I'm not entirely sure his proportions are logically sound. But okay, whatever. The cover still sells it for me. Okay, so let's get the art out of the way first. It's fair. It's decent. Monica looks gorgeous, but everybody else is just kind of... 90s? I mean, there's not much else to be said about it. Males are bulky and muscled, bordering on the extreme. The women, while beautiful, are pretty much sexualized in half the book. You'd think with two inkers we'd see a lot of funky black lines. But honestly, it really looks more like they needed two inkers because of the incredibly heavy use of shadows in the book. Still probably a detriment. But remember, this is 1996. Shadows are in. The colors are very pretty. They work well. Now on to the story. Holy crap. Can we express just how much of an object Monica Rambeau is in this story? When I bought this book way back when, I remember enjoying it. Now, while I still enjoy reading it overall, I have to wonder who cleared this rape culture fanfest treatment of Monica. Mark Grunwald? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm betting he didn't see the final art before sending it off to be published or something. Sheesh. <sighs> okay. So the majority of the story is exposition. Mostly about who these characters are, and then the fighting between the two people being called Captain Marvel. The entire issue is really here just to clarify that there is a reason for Monica to start calling herself Photon and let Janus be Captain Marvel. I mean, he pretty much already had his own series at this point, I think, so... I'm sure somebody somewhere might have maybe once in all of eternity referenced this name change with, you know, with some pages of a comic story somewhere. Maybe. Maybe? So is it worth picking up? Yeah, sure. It, it's an interesting time capsule for 1996 Marvel. Plus, for those needing more Captain Marvel stuff, I mean, it's definitely a good thing. It's good for Monica fans, especially since she comes pretty close to saving herself. I mean, really, Vision's abilities were just there as a means to an end. She figured out how to expose the probe with her own abilities, so, I mean, the potential is there for this to be a Bedeker. She figured out how to expose the probe with her own abilities. So, I mean, the potential is there for this to be a better Monica Rambeau story. Do I have qualms with the issue? Uh, yeah. Aside from everything I've pointed out, I really don't like Vision in this story. I'd rather Monica have saved herself somehow. Also, does Deathcry have a point in any of her Avengers appearances? Like, not just this, I mean the Avengers' main book. Like, I see little to no point for her here, but I'm genuinely curious if anything significant happened regarding her in the main book. Please let me know if she did. Otherwise, pointless. So, as a whole, this is a relatively fun read overall. 
but honestly, I don't think I can suggest it to anybody who isn't looking to fill holes in a collection, or just look at pretty pictures of Photon. So, I mean, I, I guess that's really about all I can say about this. So we'll take another quick promo break, and I'll be back with some listener feedback. In late 1984, Marvel's direct sales manager sat in a crowded meeting of comic retailers. Let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2. Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel podcast network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and Beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. All right, folks, I am back. And just as a reminder, last episode was our quote-unquote Valentine special, looking at Legion of Superheroes, Volume 3, Number 16, with my wonderful guest, Martin Gray. And it seemed to go over pretty well with a lot of people. We sure had a lot of likes and shares. So, without further ado, and... Before I get into this, if I get your name wrong, I'm sorry. Please let me know, and I'll correct it. Same thing if I missed you. But, on Twitter, we had likes, favorites, retweets, whatever those things are called, from Martin Gray, Too Dangerous for a Girl blog, Connell, Lolbescon Colkel, at Katar Hall 5, Ange, Lane B, at Lane BT, Tim Price, Firestorm fan, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Joe Upton, Laurel, Slangword Scott, Ed Moore, Professor Frenzy, Bilge Gumsar at Gumsar underscore GS, Legion Bloggers, David Brasher, Toma Corsi, Sean Ross, John Marcus, Supergirl and Brainiac 5 plus Nia at Kara underscore underscore Quirrell. Jeffrey Brown. Carolina at Carolina underscore Olaya. Adam Stabelli. Army of One. Ray's Comics. Ryan Daly. Between the Pages. Justice Trek 2019. Comic Reflections. John Stinson Ferdinand. Mike Smith, 201890. Kyle Benning, The Legion of Substitute Podcasters. Jeremy Klein, a.k.a. Discarmic. Maya at MayaK46. Gloria Maria Gonzalez Estrada. Genji7891. Comics in the Golden Age. Eli at ElNight20. And Quinn at Quinn Schuyler. On Facebook, we got likes and shares from Gene Hendricks, Ivan Chudley, Max Traver, Abel Padilla, Siskoid, Ranger Gord, Charlie Niemeyer, Jerry Green, Shag Matthews, 
Alan Middleton, Michael Lane, Al Sedano, Pat Sampson, Joe Crawford, Mike Peacock, and Nicholas Prom. Hey, guess what? We got a new iTunes review. This one is from Delvin Ray. And he writes, I'm writing this because Clinton asked me to do so. Also because Clinton is a very nice person. Good things should happen to nice people who drink coffee. And he left me five stars. Aw, thanks, Delvin. And boy, oh boy, we got some feedback on this one. So, let me just get to it here. On Twitter, Ange wrote us to say, Don't think the woman scientist flirting with Brainy had any significant moments after this. Love the idea of Quizlet disintegrating Jericho. <laughs> oh, who didn't? Who didn't? Oh, Ange also wrote us with his top five Legion romances. Number one, Supergirl Brainy. Number two, Ayla Vi. Yeah, I'm with you right there. Uh, number three, Wildfire Dawnstar. Number four, Cosmic Boy Night Girl. And number five, Starboy Dream Girl. Uh, Martin Gray, last episode's guest, <laughs> followed that up with Sun Boy in Love with Himself. <laughs> oh. Uh, and responded that uh, issue number 18 is an official Crisis crossover with the banner and all. So, um, yeah, he's in agreement that this should have been one. You know, it definitely wasn't too late. So, uh, yeah, and Ange also followed up one more time that regarding Crisis as both happening and being history in Legion time, he no-prized it by saying they knew Supergirl died mysteriously, but only after the Crisis happened were there actual details. I think I could go with that, Ange. That, that seems pretty much about right. I mean, with all the Time Trapper kind of stuff going around in Legion, I'm sure it was clouded from their minds somehow. Uh, Professor Frenzy wrote in to say that that episode was a lot of fun, thanks to you both. Karina Lawson says that Jan and Siobhan and Jackie Val would be her two favorite uh, Legion romances. Sean Ross with Secret Wars and Beyond. Wrote to say, It Feels Good was my favorite jam by Lornu, Lornu, Lornu. Oh, Sean, Sean, Sean. What a joke. Ah, okay. And John Marcus wrote in to say, Are you kidding me? Imra and Garth. Wow, everybody's really opinionated on their Legion romances. I like this. Somebody do a Legion romance podcast. That would be Wow. Yeah, that would be gangbusters. Uh, Supergirl and Brainiac 5 plus Nia wrote us to say, Oh, this is a morbid issue for, Hallow for Halloween. Learn to read. Me, not her. I assume her. I'm oh, sorry. Supergirl and Brainiac 5 plus Nia wrote us to say, Oh, this is a morbid issue for Valentine's Day. Heart-wrenching. But I still love it so much. And Martin Gray and I both responded with, that's the kind of guys we are. Uh, Supergirl and Brainiac 5 responded again to say that uh, Dr. Cheshire, or Chasine, or whatever her name was. Yes, Cheshire, okay. 
Yeah. Uh, Supergirl and Brainiac 5 responded again to say that Dr. Chasir comes back once in issue number 30. Holy cow, 30. And they have a one-night stand, apparently. He does the walk of shame back to the Legion in the morning and finds out Ron Fadar died in the night and he blames his self-indulgence and never sees her again. <sighs> no joy for Brainiac. There is no joy in Mudville that day. And that looks like that is it for our feedback. I want to thank everybody for uh, sharing the show, for liking the post, and definitely for writing in. I do appreciate it very much. So, you know, again, thanks for everybody for sticking around through this. I appreciate you listening. And until next time, this is the place where the comics are never too old and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. Thank you.